Bonjour, and welcome to the Late Night Romantic Jazz Podcast. My name is C. Reezy, and I'm going to be, as always, your lovable DJ for this Funkalicious evening. First up, we have a very special track to my heart. It's Jay Merrick uh, with his tune, Hot Gravy. Here we go. What the hell are you doing? Oh, it's the comic one. Yeah. Oh. Uh, hey, guys. Welcome to Cover B. Hi, guys. Sorry for... I'm sorry. I gotta... Uh... I get confused sometimes. Um, I can still play that record. I've got it loaded up. Stop. If you wanna... Just stop. It's literally just 45 minutes of someone blowing into a clarinet mouthpiece. So... That sounds great. Inspired. Hot gravy. So we've got comics and stuff to talk about. Yes, real quick. Remember how we said we're not going to talk about news anymore? Big news! Um, <laughs> so for those who haven't heard, Walking Dead pulled the old switcheroo. And so it's worth talking about. Sure. Um, Walking Dead 193 came out this week. And surprise, it's the very last issue of Walking Dead. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, they took this so far. What a lot of people don't understand is that this ruse went so far that Robert Kirkman and the Walking Dead people actually solicited issues of Walking Dead all the way into September. So literally, <laughs> the order form for this month for July, because comics are ordered two months in advance, right. has a Walking Dead on it. What? That has a cover with somebody exist. being stabbed through, like, stabbed through the chest. They I guess that's the reader? <laughs> one, yeah. 194 had a cover that had, like, a new like black sheriff character on it. I don't remember what the cover of 195 was and 196 has somebody getting stabbed through the chest. But in reality, 193 was the last one. Burn. So surprise, surprise. Uh, this cover is going ballistic and it's actually like, it's fairly infuriating, like infuriating that it, was handled this way because shops weren't able to anticipate the final issue of this book, this series that's been going on forever. And so then the secondary market community gets a hold of it. The price starts cranking up. Copies disappear everywhere to the point where it's one of those things where now readers that just want to read it can't get it and have to wait for the second print to come that out. That sucks. And so it, it really sucks as somebody who like just picks it up off the shelf comes into the shop and the shop's like yeah we sold out because people came in droves to get it so they could sell it online for 25 30 dollars and you know there's a second print coming so you just have to wait a few weeks for that to come out and it's like cool thanks that's really awesome so good job robert kirkman uh way to really like stick it to retailers and your fan base uh i don't know what kind of cutesy crap you were trying there but not funny <laughs> i just it, gotta say it kind of sounds funny. like that to me is this is exactly what he wanted. Yeah, he wanted his last. He wanted book the news to no. be. Yeah, he yeah. wanted his last book to be a big important. No, it was he, like valuable piece of crap because otherwise yeah. it was just going to be whatever and it was going to be overprinted just like everything else. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk some shit real quick because it <laughs> legitimately the only reason he did it this way was because then it would dry up. People wouldn't be able to anticipate the final issue. They would be able to push a second print which people would then over-order, over-anticipate, and he'd sell more copies overall. Yep. That's all it is. 
he wanted to be able to sell the numbers that he was selling for like months, which were much lower than what it was originally and what it had been in the past. And he wanted to surprise everybody and be like, surprise, and make this book super scarce. And then immediately, literally today, they announced a second print, that it was going back to second print. That's shady Because now all the stores are going to buy up those second prints, and he's going to get mo money. And there's nothing special about the second print. They're doing nothing, no special covers, no special pages added or anything. And a lot of people are pissed. A lot of people I talk to are pissed that this is the last issue because We're roll out with a big middle. Finger. Literally, I think yeah. Literally, I think two issues ago they killed Rick, and you know he said in that book, and he'd been saying in interviews, and he said in that book that you know in the interviews it was an if, but then it became a Rick's now shot and dead. Um, but the whole idea was that. Even though Rick's dead, we have a lot of stories to tell. He said that in the letters section, like the the back of the 191, which was the one where Rick died. He said, hey, we still have a lot of stories to tell. And that's true. I haven't been keeping up with it, but everyone I've talked to talks about all these different loose ends that still exist. So here's the other thing. He's just taking a hiatus, drumming up, you know, interest in a return and then he's going to return and be like, more Walking Dead, Walking Dead, 194 out this summer and make more money. So it's it's all just business play. It's and so he's being shitty. crazy. But the, the way they handled that was insane. So uh, I hope you got a copy of 193 if you're an avid Walking Dead reader. Um, if you're not, there is a second print coming, you know, so you can read it. It's a big, thick issue and features old man Carl. Um, so that's kind of cool. Old man Coral. We got Walker's Coral. Anyway, I wanted to open with that because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, real quick, just want to let everybody know that if you hear booming and popping and cracking, yes. not only have the fireworks been going on all day because it is the 4th of July. Happy. Hope you had a wonderful 4th. Um, but also... We're in Florida, and the thunder is just righteous today. Yeah. And it has been on and off, and people, despite the thunder and lightning that has been, like, essentially in my parking lot, they they are still out in droves, just yep. snap, crackle, fire, cracker, popping everywhere. Yep. And so we, it's just loud. We had the option to record on Wednesday, and at the end of the day, we were like, no, we're really tired. We kind of just want to chill. Let's record tomorrow, because we're responsible podcasters. And push off our recording to a day that's known for fireworks. Yay. <laughs> we wanted to make it special. It's a holiday. It's a holiday. Celebrate. All right, so what did you read that stood out Stood out to you? Yeah, so today, kind of like that movie Four Weddings and a Funeral, I have three number ones and a finale. Nice. So, <laughs> um, first thing on my list, a little Marvel, um, Arrow number one. Okay. By Zhao Lifen, who Neat. I looked up and I can't find anything else. So maybe a brand new writer. Maybe. Um, at least in the Western world. Um, the book is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it is super manga. It is super manga. Yeah. It is, it is, it is a right world like flipping mm. the pages the normal american way but it is it is a manga for those who down. don't know arrow it's not like 
Stephen Amell Arrow. It's A-E-R-O. And it's one of the characters that was introduced in the new Agents of Atlas. Yes. So she, in the solicitation, it basically indicated that this is the Western, the first like Western premiere of her having her own solo title. Um, So it's, it's cool. She controls the wind. Um, so there's some really beautiful graphics. It's drawn in a very like Eastern animation style. Um, and the, all of the dialogue takes place in like internal monologue structure. It's, it's even the like lettering and the letter boxes are very manga. So if you're a manga fan, this might be a really good transitionary book for you because mm. you will feel very much in tune. It's beautiful. If you typically read manga and you're typically reading like the black and white style, this is like that, but then with like amazing coloration. So that's really fun. That's actually a cool thing to it. Um, Story-wise, there's not, I don't know. It, it's, um, it's very young romance manga feeling. Okay. So it's a little, it's a, there's not a whole lot of depth there yet. Um, but there was a story at the end of the book done by Greg Pak, um, Immortal Hulk writer, I believe. Um, I Is think. Doing I think. I mean, Greg Pak has done a, a freaking shit a ton. ton. He's doing, a ton. right now he's doing all the, like, I think all... There might be some that were done by other people, but all the like Age of Rebellion, Age of Resistance, yeah. Age of he's a, he did a recent Hulk something, and then he's done a bunch of other stuff. Um, but yep. he did a, a story in the back that was very Western. That was did um, he do Totally Awesome Hulk? Was that the Hulk? That maybe he did? that's what it was. Um, but he did a story that's Arrow hanging out with Wave, which is another character from the um, Agents of Atlas uh, War of Rome's title. That one was a little more engaging and actually gave some background about wave, which we hadn't gotten, which is cool. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see if they're going to continue with both stories in this book. Is this going to be like a dual written type of thing? Is it, is the Greg pack storyline kind of over? Was it just sort of like one shotty? Like, mm-hmm. I don't just totally, like a bonus. Yeah. Like maybe. I don't totally know how they're doing that. Um, I personally, it, not because it was more westernized or anything, but I, I more enjoyed the Greg Pak piece than the than the other one, um, story-wise. But it was still a beautiful book. And I think, you know, like I said, if you're into manga, definitely pick definitely this one up. It'll, up. it'll be a really cool transition for you because you'll feel very much at home. Yeah. Greg Pak did Totally Awesome Hulk. Okay. I yeah. knew he did a Hulk run. Yeah. I knew he did a recent Hulk run. I just, I picked the wrong one. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, while we're talking about Marvel, Marvel had a couple of annuals come out. Um, annuals are always a fun chance to kind of dive onto a comic that you're not particularly used to. So you'll probably hear about us talk about them a lot um, just because they're a good like pickup if you're not an avid reader of whatever character they're focused around. Anyway, uh, Magnificent Miss Marvel annual number one. This is part of Marvel's uh, if anything you can do i can do better kind of thing that they're doing right now which is <laughs> oh, Lord. um it's called dc's year of the supervillain no wait it's called acts of evil um <laughs> i'm just saying like two months after dc started pushing the like 
year of the supervillain thing, Marvel started soliciting all these annuals that were like, acts of evil, some of the greatest superheroes go up against some of the greatest supervillains. Kind of like how just after Deceased started, they're bringing back Marvel zombies. Huh. Um, anyway. Things that make you go, hmm. <clears throat> so this one was Super Scroll versus Miss Marvel. Uh, part of that whole mini event. It was cool. Nice. I mean, it was a weird little throwaway story, but it had some good Miss Marvelisms in it. Um, I do enjoy her. So it, it was not too bad. They've also started, uh, because nobody asked for it, uh, Secret Warps, which is the continuation of the barely read Infinity Warps. Um, <laughs> you guys, you, we're on a podcast, so you can't hear how my eyes just rolled yeah. all the way <laughs> the, back to the back the of my brain. Of her skull as like her they eyes rolled up along my skull, around brain. my brain. I think they're in the back of my neck now. So, admittedly, I was actually somewhat interested at the. If you didn't read Infinity Wars, the whole premise was Gamora went bananas because why not? And she essentially was trying to gather up all the infinity gems. And her reasoning initially was because a part of her was still stuck in the soul gem. And then it just kind of became just because I think, I don't know. It was hard to follow. Uh, and <laughs> because they needed a bad guy and why not Gamora? What she did instead of the Thanos snap is she folded the universe together which resulted in every person in the Marvel Universe being consisted of two people. So there was, like, Soldier Supreme, which this one focuses on, um, is Doctor Strange, Captain America. And then there's, like, Iron Hammer is Iron Man and Thor. And there's Weapon Hex, which is Scarlet Witch and uh, X-23 and stuff like that. Can I just throw out there that the whole storyline sounds like a parody written by Chip Zdarsky and Ryan North? Uh, true. Anyway, at the end of Infinity Wars, they compromised, essentially, with the warp world, like, the folded world, in order to get all the heroes back and repair their world, because all these, they had origins, they had families, they had relationships, they had stories and experiences, so they didn't want to lose those as their, like, warped selves. So they... When stuff got fixed, they created inside the Soul Gem a multiverse, essentially, that contains the warp world. It's cool. It's a cool concept. I was excited. I knew that they did it that way to come back to it later. Um, I was kind of hoping they'd come back to it later with, like, some new characters. Like, have, let's follow somebody who's kind of on the lower rung as they go through their life. Like, yeah. give us, give us, like, a Miles Morales character or... You know, like a Lady Hawkeye character, like someone like that. Um, America Chavez. Yeah, mixed with someone kind of on the fringe, and them interacting, not necessarily the Defenders, which is what the Avengers are called in that world. Anyway, instead, what we have is this Secret Warps thing, which is going to be a series of annuals focusing on different ones that are all going to accumulate to a story. Um, that is essentially like it should have been called Civil Warps. Just saying, because it's like Iron Man, Iron Hammer, and Soldier Supreme are fighting. Oh. Um, because yeah. of reasons. Um, because Red Dormammu is uh, manipulating things. 
Also the love. Of Anywho. I um, I just can't. There's some cool mashups. Like, some of the mashups I love. There's Hulk Ant-Man is called, like, Little Monster. And, like, <laughs> as he gets, you know, Hulk gets angrier and he gets bigger and stronger. As Little Monster gets angrier, he gets smaller. Okay, that's Until he becomes, adorable. like, microscopic, but with, like, the strength of the Hulk. So he's, like, busting dudes up as, like, a tiny thing. Oh, my God. That's adorable. And there's, like, Green Widow is She-Hulk and Black Widow. Honestly, that's the thing. Is like, Soldier Supreme, yawn. Iron Hammer, yawn. Arachnite is kind of cool. Weapon X is kind of cool. Uh, Ghost Panther, also kind of cool. But, like, the main ones that they focus on are all kind of, like, but then there's like moon squirrel and like shut up moon squirrel yeah it's moon girl and and she rides on a giant tippy toe (gasps) Um, everything about that is flawless and yeah and there's green widow there's um a little monster like i said and stuff like that and it's all the fringe characters are really fun and a lot of the villains are really fun like uh iron hammer's main villain is madam hella which is Madame Mask mixed with Hella. Huh. And uh, Soldier Supreme's main bad guy is Red Dormammu, which is Red Skull oh, mixed with Dormammu, Dormammu yeah. and stuff like that. So um, digressing to bejesus and back. Anyway, it was a cool, it potentially is going to be a cool like five issue kind of miniseries. I wish they would have just made it a miniseries instead of calling it a bunch of different annuals because that's just going to be hell Confusing. for people trying to like organize that shit. But yeah. Um, but again, I think I would have liked the series to kind of come back as like an ongoing with more of a focus on these fringe characters as opposed to that's fringe, not French. <laughs> you know, I don't want them to come back and be like, oh, yeah, wee wee. <laughs> um, <laughs> anywho, uh, worth picking up the Marvel annuals. I'm going to need a shirt with Moon Squirrel on it. Moon Squirrel shirt. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need that. Just throwing that out there. Um, her so, thing would be like, it's time to eat nuts and do math. That doesn't rhyme. Squirrel Girl's also really smart, so it still has to rhyme. Put me on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's like, it's like, time to squirrel sass and do math, It's maybe? time to eat cashews. And drink my math juice. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Got there. Thank that's, you, world. That's You're funny. welcome. You can take that one to the bank. That one. That's gonna be really long on a shirt. You're really long on a shirt. Anyway, so next books. <laughs> uh, anything from DC tickle in your? Yes. So in your pickling. Another number one this week uh-huh. was Lois Lane number one. Lois Lane. Greg Rucka. It was awesome. It was so awesome. Lois really Lane cool. is so awesome. Yeah, she's totally um, badass. So part of what I really enjoy about this book is that DC, because it's not set in a traditional America. You know, Marvel takes place a lot of the time in New York or, mm-hmm. you know, California or yeah. these big Midwestern cities. Like, it's it's Chicago is where um, Ironheart's in. So, like, it's it's based in a reality of a, a traditional America. Or, like, Hoboken. Yeah. I mean, 
probably, right? <laughs> hey, I mean, Miss Marvel is from New Jersey. That's true. Like, She's from Jersey City. So. Yeah, so whatever. And I'm sure she has to help Hoboken at some point. Um, <laughs> everybody needs to help Hoboken. Sorry, Hoboken. Sorry, Hoboken. Uh, <laughs> Hoboken listeners, we're sorry. <laughs> Not sorry that we insulted your city, but sorry that you're in Hoboken. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna get so much hate mail. Oh, good, great. Um, but so what's normally kind of hard is that you know, oftentimes the DC books because they don't take place in a more traditional America, they don't play Mm -hmm. as round as much or as heavily with traditional American politics. Um, because you know how are you gonna talk about that in like Metropolis and Gotham? Like they have their own shit to deal with that they don't need to worry or talk about American stuff. Well, yeah, it's hard to really focus on like mismanagement of the budget when there's literally clown people stabbing people to death in your streets. Yeah, like it's <laughs> not know? it. There's there's too many things going on. Like, why the f did I say clown people? <laughs> Joker. <laughs> but like, I guess just clowns. Clowns are people. <laughs> why are they clown people? Maybe they're a race of people that are born with clown features. You ever feel your brain pouring out of your mouth and you're like, get back in there. Oh my God. As I said, I was like clown people. And my, like my inner monologue was like, are you fucking stupid? (laughs) They're people. You wouldn't say Chinese's. (laughs) Except are clowns people? (laughs) I'm just throwing that out. Clown listeners, we're sorry. Not that we insulted clowns. Because you're a but clown. But because you're in Hoboken. <laughs> there must be a lot of clowns in Hoboken. There must be. Uh, anyway. If you heard it on the internet, it's true. It's always true. Welcome back to Info Wars with Chris. <laughs> Next up, I'm going to tell you about how they're putting water to make the frogs gay. After this smooth, funky jazz. A perfect transition into Greg Rucka, don't give an F about your lack of politics or American civilization in D.C. Because he plucked Lois Lane out and was like, I'm going to have her go up against a super shady Speaker of the House who won't answer questions about children being held in deportation like warehouses. And I was like, my brain just exploded and everything yeah. is awesome. <laughs> it's very grounded in current political it stuff. It is. That being oh my said, God. if you are someone who is of a conservative mindset, this book is not for you. It is not. Um, it is very much not. I mean, it might be worth reading, but I did notice that. And even me, like, you know, I, I tend to lean a little bit more onto the left side. And... I agree with a lot of the things she was saying, and I love Greg Rucka. Like, I love his work. Uh, Lazarus is easily, like, one of my favorite comics, like, top three. Um, but this was super political, and I don't know if I really, like... It wasn't, It wasn't like... There's been plenty of political books, even from, like, superhero books, things that focus on... But the, the good way to do it is to focus on things that are similar but still approachable to a wide audience. But this is straight up just like, fuck Trump, fuck Putin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, you know, the the speaker of the house is like, or not a, the press secretary yeah. is like full on 
huck a huck a bitch huck a sanders yeah you know and so if you are not really liberal even like i feel like even like moderate minded people might be a little like because it is very politically charged i gotta say though it's it's an interesting change of pace and the reason why i say that is because if you look at the traditional subset of dc Mm -hmm. you either have superman as your go-to superhero of dc which is truth justice the american way he is america's boy he rolls around with like you know i'm proud to be yeah it is it's blaring from speakers anywhere he goes yeah or it's batman who has no politics embedded in it whatsoever none it is devoid of politics because it's so focused on the villain batman is almost like nihilistically devoid of politics yeah there is none it is it's it's essentially like a documentary on anarchy yeah like you can't discuss it's politics. It's the guidebook to how I live my life. So, in a traditionally, in a traditionally either mildly conservative, excessively patriotic mm-hmm. world, or a nihilistic, entirely unpolitical world, to have a character that kind of balances out soups like, you know, America's always right, with a little, with his literal counterpart being like, actually no. There are things in America or things in this country that can be fixed and should be reviewed mm-hmm. and can't be taken at face value. It's kind of nice to have a little influence of voice on that side. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it, it's nice to have both sides of the spectrum. Well, and we got, you know, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen is coming out soon. I'm sure that's going to be very politically charged. Yeah. No. Not at all. It's going to be freaking hilarious, though. The, the ads for it have Superman, like, shoving a wiener in his mouth. It's going to be really funny. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy that. You that right. Um, though, there, there was one line in the, or one section in the Lois book that was, it was also political, but not, like, in a political sense. It was basically talking about how there's a, apparently a picture circulating of Lois Lane getting, you know, kissing Superman. Well, everyone knows Lois Lane is married to Clark Kent. Yeah. And so literally she's walking down the street and someone just screams at her whore and soups is super pissed because he's walking with her and he's like, you know, because, and he's as Clark and he's like, you know, the other guy never gets called a whore. And she's like, well, yeah, cause the other guy's a man. Yeah. And I'm like, it, well, it's, it's, she's like, because he's a him or something. Like yeah. That, and it's know. like, Oh my God, <laughs> this, this is being discussed in a DC book. Can we just pause and talk about how that's amazing? So it's super politically charged. The cool thing is that we get the question involved, and I'm pretty sure it's lady question. It totally is yeah, lady yeah. question. Which is that Montoya? Is it Montoya yes. that becomes yes, it is. the female question? Yes. So that's cool. Um, She straight wrecks a bunch of, like, Nico cousin kind of Russian douchebags. It's so, so glorious. Yeah. It's totally lady question though. Like you can tell by the face. She's not like overly like it's not like oh look at the curves. No, she's not but like curvy. You can almost like tell that there's hair. like hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, which is dope, and I love that they're using her because she doesn't get used very often. That's true. Which actually hints that you know there could potentially be some Batwoman involved in this book at some point too. I'm really I'm just happy because I really liked. I I haven't been reading a lot of Superman stuff. 
and I really liked Lois in Event Leviathan, but I got so bogged down in that first issue, like I said, on the cast, with them constantly being like, Who's Leviathan? <laughs> Are you Leviathan? <laughs> and so it, it's cool to see her, like, being in this kind of mystery-based... Like, the whole premise is a journalist died. What happened to journalist? And she's going to go figure it out. And it'll be cool to see her actually get to do that and not be bogged down with, like, the whole who is, who ain't Leviathan, you know, kind of thing. So True that. So if you are more liberally uh, leaning, this is definitely an awesome book. Oh, for sure. Definitely. It's very well written. It's very – the art is really cool. It almost feels a little noir-y. And, I mean, it's not to say that – if you are a conservative-minded person, that you're not going to necessarily like this book, but or it does appreciate it. And granted, the stuff that it mainly approaches um, are things that you know people on both sides of the aisle can find a little wishy-washy. I've talked to plenty of people of both true political true. camps, um, you know, about like, hey, this is kind of wrong, like detaining kids. That's not cool. Um, but some people. And their gaudy red hats might find it a little bit <laughs> atrocious. And so just be wary um, that that might not be the book for you. Uh, if you want to read books about cool ladies written by Greg Ruka, he did a run on Wonder Woman, which was really good. And he did Lazarus, which is in my top three favorite books of all time. So Boom. Uh, Get you one of them. Uh, do you have any more DC books? I that? do. Okay. I have one more. Oh, yeah. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome back to another round of T versus Female Furies. <gasps> Let's get ready to rumble. Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> if you're using headphones, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Not because I bursted your eardrums, <laughs> but because you're in hobo. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. So. Female Furies number six. Number six. This is the end of the mini. This is the last book. The So I'm going to go ahead and make my prediction. Okay. I think they tied everything together. In a nice little feminine empowerment bow, and they fixed probably not all the flaws that you pinpointed, but I'm going to say 95% of them, and it ends on a note that proves that the whole thing was just a parody, um, and they were making points about stuff, and you loved it. That's my prediction. It was okay. The end. Moving on. Uh, So, it... I mean, it kind of did exactly what you just said, believe it or not. Um, It did, like... It had... The whole book was about the women coming back and being like, screw Darkseid, we're sick of being subjugated, we're gonna go rally the lower class women, and we're gonna be like, yo, we are women, and this is a day without women, and you can't live without us, and rah! And then, of course, the lower class women are like, you still get treated better than us. Why do we want to do anything with you? (laughs) 
you're the worst. And so then they have to then, and then they try to do like a whole thing with the dreamer. And she's like, I can't help you. You have to fight this battle yourselves. And you're like, oh my God, just get to the point. (laughs) And then they come back and they like blow some shit up and they start essentially destroying apocalypse. But they were smarter and knew of a fail safe. And so all the men are like, ah, we have to evacuate the planet. But then they tell the women, like, don't leave because you don't have to evacuate the planet. We're basically tricking the men. And so all the women stay on planet and all the men evac. And then the men are like, oh, shit, we don't have any vaginas to do things with anymore. And then all the and they're like, well, what are we going to do now? And the Furies are like, F you, bros. If you're coming back, this is new apocalypse. And if you're coming back, you got to do things our way. Uh. And it. You know, at one point, Tiger's trying to, like, evacuate or leave. And, of course, uh, Granny's still been a total bitch until literally the last, like, three pages of the series. (laughs) And finally, she, like, punches Darkseid in the nads and is like, he's like, you are helping a woman. I didn't think you had it in you. And Granny's like, I didn't either. And... It's, I didn't either, dearie. And then Granny bails and the Furies are like, let her go. She's as much a victim, if <sighs> not more so than we are, which is true. And like, I get it. Okay? I get it. You beat me over the head with everything in this book with a sledgehammer. And I'm like, fine. Okay? Fine. I get it. It was intended to be feminist, but it was so gratuitous. Is there such a thing as like, feminism torture porn because that's what this felt like it's like um anti-exploitative media (laughs) it's like yes it's like if you did a like foxy cleopatra movie but it was intended to be like a parody and like like subjugate those standards but then it was so excessive and you had to like sit there and watch foxy cleopatra get like raped by the man or something like it's not at some point your point is not being made it's just upsetting yeah there are limit like the whole story with Aureli was too much like it was just too much you didn't get your point across because I was so offended the whole time that like even after everything resolved it didn't feel like enough like I wanted dark side to be like flayed at the end of this book (laughs) yeah like it was nothing that could have been done to resolve the situation would have felt like enough to satisfy the rage and the frustration and the irritation that the entirety of the book gave. And to rub salt in the wound, the literal last panel of the whole damn mini is Barda making out with Scott Free. I can't, you guys. I can't. I can't. Okay? Like, great. The Furies went through hell. Apocalypse was shit. Everything was terrible. Darkseid's the biggest dick on the planet. And yes, I am aware that that, uh, Zack Snyder is about to try and put Darkseid into some Justice League type bullshit. I just, I can't. Hashtag Snyder cut. I can't. Like, I'm... Yeah. Female Furies. So it was good? I see you. And I never want to see you again. Ooh. Ooh. I get it. Ooh. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. 
But it was very hard for me as a passionate woman who tries it, um, to see betterment. It's hard for me to read female furies and man eaters at the same time yeah. and see the same topic depicted in such totally opposite ways and try to get to the same point and fail. Yeah. So it, it seems to me like female furies was trying to do um, like deliver a message in a way that was a f- like a good decade or so too late. Like from what it sounds like they were trying to deliver a message in that format. That's kind of like those old, like this is your brain on drugs things. It's like a or like, shock value. Or like when they show you like pictures of like STDs <laughs> so that you're like, Oh, I don't want yes. an STD ever. Yes. And, but like with, <laughs> the me too movement with like all the people coming out about sexual assault, all the big names getting busted for it. Like, you know, a lot of stars and politicians and influencers coming out about like equal treatment for women and stuff. Like we've even just in the past, like two or three years, we've been so populated with that, that we don't really need the shock factor message anymore. It's kind of like how um, I was talking about this movie we watched. I don't remember the name of it at all. But it's this Netflix movie that looks like some weird zombie movie. And it's about, like, two cellists. And one of them contracts this disease. Anyway, you find out later that there's this, like, that the one, and this total spoilers. The perfection. The perfection. Total spoilers for this movie. But you find out that the one chick plant, like, drugged this other chick to convince her that she had this disease so that she would chop her arm off. Yep. And it's intense. Then she wouldn't be able to be a cellist anymore and wouldn't be able to work at this like conservatory that she works at with this dude who there's obviously some sort of abuse happening there. And, you know, it could have been anything. It could have been just like general abuse, locking kids in a room until they and not feeding them until they got perfect and like stuff like that turns out it's just rape and you know it's kind of one of those positions where it's like i get rape's bad like we all know rape is bad rape is super bad but at some point we got to accept that rape can't be the driving force for women in every single like vengeance movie or it's just going to desensitize the society from it it maybe would have been more poignant if it had been emotional and gaslighting abuse because i feel like that's more unspoken about right now even like threatening your family or just like vocal abuse and stuff like you know there's a lot of things it could have been and they just defaulted to him getting nude and like walking up to rape the girl (laughs) and like it's bad it's shocking but like everyone i watched that movie with was more annoyed that it was rape than they were like (gasps) oh You know, like, oh, man, I get it. Oh, oh, how, ooh. You know, like. I feel like at some point it behooves us to show the detriment of, I hate to use this word, but more subtle abuse. Yeah. Like, rape is horrible. Don't get me wrong. Rape should be yeah. spoken of and victims should be able to speak By out. Means, it's important. The Me Too but... movement is great. Everything that's happening right now is great. I'm not talking, like, I'm not saying that <laughs> no, stuff's bad. But. but... but... We don't talk about women who are gaslighted and women who yeah. are forced to have sex with their husbands because they think that's not, you know, rape. Or or women who are in relationships that, you know, the men treat them poorly and they think that that's okay. Like, 
there's other stuff to talk about. But tying it back, um, you know, what it feels like Female Furies was doing was trying to have this shocking, like, this happens, bro. But it did it in such a shock value, gratuitous way that it was more just annoyingly pushing the point. You know, it's like yes. twisting the dagger. It's, you it's know, essentially... Salting the wound. That's exactly right. Thing, you it know? was... Female Furies is trying to tell me that, you know, misogyny is wrong. I know, we all know, misogyny is wrong. That's not the problem. And the reason why Maneaters is so great is because it's saying misogyny is wrong. We already know that. So why the hell is it still happening? Yeah. That's the question we need to answer right now. And yeah. Fur Female Furies didn't do that it would be like if child the childish gambino song this is america instead of being released with the beautiful like layout and lyrics and music video that it got launched with it was instead titled black people have trouble in the entertainment industry and it was just him like sitting at a desk failing auditions over and over or something like that you the know subtleties I mean? removed yeah like... if you remove all subtlety you know because the the whole like message and point behind that thing is that you know black culture is treated as this like kind of entertainment thing yeah. and they're not not always treated as equals in the <laughs> entertainment industry both in music and in movies and stuff like that and you know if you remove the subtlety from that then it just becomes exactly like that it's like yes we know. <laughs> you know. Like, it's... it's like, it, we get it. You, like, We know it's wrong. That's not what we're talking about yeah. right now. We're talking about when everyone knows it's wrong, why is it still happening? Shout out to all the people that are pissed off that a black girl got cast as a mermaid. She's also not a mer person. Just saying. And she's also <laughs> going to slay. I just like... People are like, oh, Ariel's a white person. I'm like, no, she's a mer person. Thank you. <laughs> also, to all those who are bitching in their so claiming, well, okay, but I mean, even it doesn't matter about race. It matters that she's a redhead. Fun fact. Black people can color their hair just like white people can. Mm -hmm. um, so if they want her to be a redhead, she can do that. Yeah. It's this magnificent, marvelous thing called hair bleach. I know, I know you may never heard of it, but it, it's a thing and it's, it's yeah. incredibly powerful. Meanwhile, I'm still just pissed off at the prospect of Melissa McCarthy being Ursula. <laughs> uh, hashtag Lizzo's my Ursula. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, I take that. Anyway, yeah. moving on to the indie side of life. Um, I'm going to rant and rave real quick in <laughs> the most positive way. Let me pass the torch. <laughs> well, mine's going to be positive. Oh, and well, lovely. let me take my torch back. You can have your fucking torch. Um, <laughs> for those of you who have been listening to us for a while, I've given up on censoring. Sorry. Anyway. Um, so. After, we are what we are. After months. After months. Months of being gone. Heathen is finally back. Heathen Woo! by Vault Comics. I love this book. It's just so cute and charming. And, like, the art is great. It's by uh, Natasha Alterici. Um, again, apologies to people who have Ichi-looking things in their names. I will always say it as that, even if it's, like, Alterici. I don't care. It's Alterici. Um, <laughs> She's going to be like, 
she's gonna Turkish be like, or something and have yeah. nothing to do with that. It's like Alter Ricky. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a great book. It's by, like I said, Vault Comics. It came out, I want to say even like a couple years ago, the number one dropped. And it was like Vault. It was their kind of like coming out book, I think. Like I don't really remember other stuff by Vault before this. And then this one hit and everyone was like, what the hell? And like dove onto the vault train. And I love this book. And we had one, two, three, four, five, six issues. And then nothing. Dead air. And it's been killing me. And then this one hit the shelf and I was super excited. And I didn't even, I thought it was crazy. Like it's been forever, maybe even like a year or more. I don't remember when the number six came out, but it's been forever and I was fully expecting, like, hell, Batman Damned 3 took forever to come out, and I did not remember anything from Batman Damned 2 by the time <laughs> this one came out. <laughs> I had to go back and, like, flip through Batman Damned 2 real quick. But this one, I didn't have to. I knew exactly where we were at. I was like, oh, cool, yeah, we're oh, still doing this. Nice. It was really that's very dope. rare. It's, uh, for those who don't know, Heathen is a Viking story um, that focuses on a girl who gets ostracized from her village for having affection for another girl and goes on a journey to be essentially the hero of a myth. So there's a myth that the queen of the Valkyries was imprisoned in a ring of fire. And the first human who broke first man who broke that ring of fire would become their husband would become the queen's husband. She would become their wife. So she wants to go break that ring of fire and marry herself a Valkyrie. Hell yeah! Um, stuff goes down. The story gets complicated. There's tons of mythological creatures. All kinds of different kind of reimaginings of the Norse gods. Freya makes an appearance. Odin makes an appearance. Loki makes an appearance. It's all very good. Um, and it's just in this boss, like, simplistic watercolor type style. And it's just so charming. It's a very charming book. If you haven't picked up Heathen, it's in a trade paperback. Uh, the first bit of it is and now it's back and hopefully it'll stay back and it is super worth your time nice um i want to talk about a different book but i did just want to give a quick quick quickie shout out um to another book that's having a bit of a revival at the second um matt hawkins put out another a new run of postal which i don't have a ton to talk about which is why you know it's it's the first issue of a book coming back, so they're just kind of getting stuff set up. Mm-hmm. So I'll have more to talk about later. But I love Postal. I love Matt Hawkins. I love Top Cow. They don't get enough love. There. I said it. You my dog, Matt. And I'm glad that this is back. And Postal's one of my favorite books ever. So anyway, um, so Postal Deliverance. Check that out. Um, but what I want to talk about next is a book called Sea of Stars. It's the number one that just dropped. Yep. <clears throat> and it... I was very excited because it's a Jason Aaron, as you all know, of From Thor. Image Comics. Yeah, this is an image book, but Jason Aaron, as you know, is the Jason Aaron from Marvel doing, you know, yep. War of Realms stuff and the Thor stuff, and he, homie on fire. Um, and this book is stunningly beautiful and so adorable. Mm-hmm. It's essentially about a trucker and his son. <laughs> yeah. But they're like space truckers and they're hauling a load from a museum that is no longer in existence and they are, you know, going and there's a giant monster and then stuff goes bananas. Yeah. And it's a 
adorable. There's little alien critters and there's intrigue and the art is stunning and it's written really well and I really enjoyed it. So I uh, I also read this one and it was it was very it was a very aesthetically pleasing look. Yes. Their their way of laying out space is really cool. Like space feels more like the ocean. Yeah, like that's a good way to put it. Rocks and random islands and stuff everywhere and a lot of the creatures are very ocean like. Um I don't like the characters and I'm not too like I I'm going to give it some more time to develop cuz Jason Aaron is very good at having a story plan long in advance true um so you know i'm hoping things will start to come up but the initial kind of story premise of just like dad and son get separated dad needs to go find son and the fact that the son is kind of a little shit and i don't really like him it's weird he uh you know some nice things happen to him to put it without spoiling anything there are some he gets some benefits but the lead up to that he's just being a dick to his like really nice caring dad you know what i mean so he's like dick 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 stuff happens he gets separated from his dad and then gets like rewarded for it and continues to be a dick and it's like cool you're an eight-year-old little dick you know (laughs) and i I can understand that and i think maybe it's this is a weird thing to say, but maybe it's because it's Jason Aaron that that doesn't bother me. And I think well, it's because I have read so much of him making yeah. Thor, young Thor, into a total prick. Yeah. Young Thor is a bastard. And watching young Thor be a dick to Odin, who's also kind of a dick, I'm kind of just expecting this to migrate really smoothly. Yeah, and that's the thing is I, you know, <laughs> I recognize that a lot of Jason Aaron's storytelling focuses on boisterous personalities coming to terms with things that are a lot more subtle and a lot more deep down. Yes. And this opens with the boy and his father talking about the loss of the mother. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in this book, especially being set in this like open emptiness of space space. to talk about loss and the effects of loss on family and on individuals and on youngsters and on adults, you know, and I think that'll be really cool. I, I think it has a lot of potential. I was not blown away by the characters in the first issue, but I loved the lettering. I loved the artwork um, and I loved the dialogue. So it's well written. It was just the characters hurt me a little bit. Yeah. So. And I, I totally get that. I, I tend to kind of like it though when you go into a book and you can tell that the author has generated characters mm-hmm. and they're not there for you to like yeah that's fair. and i like that i like going in and being like i don't want to root for these people and they're like we know but we're gonna make you root for them and then you're gonna be like shit i do root for these yeah. people <laughs> middle west is doing a very similar thing like, yeah it it has it's literally an abusive father who turns into a tornado when he gets angry chasing down his abused son who's kind of a dick and also turns into a tornado when he's angry and his abused son's best friend who happens to be a talking fox who's a total dick and but at moments you're like you'll be like ah god you're so hard to handle and then it's like oh poor you you know even the dad like he's an abuser we're not supposed to like him but then they'll give you these like frames of something like hints that something bad happened to him that there might be something there like there's some sort of redemption that's possible 
And it's like, uh, it's maybe. like Walter White syndrome. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah I yeah, love very... that you're not supposed to like the character, but you kind of do because guess what? We're all people. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, the last thing I'm going to talk about is Space Bandits, number one, that came out this week. It's a new Mark Millar, so it's going to have six issues, and the last two are going to be rushed. More um, space. It's more space. Uh, it it was weird because it felt similar. He also has one going on still, I think, called Sharky the Bounty Hunter. And a lot of the characters and character design in that kind of looks similar to this one, with the exception that this one is heavily based on 80s aesthetic. Hmm. So, you know, if you're the type of person that wishes, like, brightly colored, tall neck jumpsuits would come back, or, (laughs) you know, ringlets over big tube socks on girls, or, like, those fishnet arm things. I love fishnet arm warmers. Um, Oh, my God. Or, like, giant technicolor hoop earrings, um, or perms if you miss any of those things this book is for you okay i get it i want to read this book fine so it's yeah it's (laughs) it's another mark millar like focused on crime type people like less than up and up type people book it's set in space it feels very much like if you know it it feels very much like if james gunn was like i want to do or like James Gunn left Guardians of the Galaxy and they hired someone who didn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy to do the second one. And the only thing they gave him about Guardians of the Galaxy was the awesome mix. This would be the movie that we got. You know? <laughs> nice. So essentially, if they got Ryan Johnson to do it. Um, <laughs> oh, snap. Uh, that anyway. was out the park. That 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 toppled the green monster right there. <laughs> it was cool. It was, it, you know, I I pick up some Mark Millar stuff. He's putting out so much that I used to pick up like everything Mark Millar did, um, and then eventually like some of them I'd love, some of them I wouldn't as much. Um, but he's putting out so much now because of the Netflix deal that I haven't been picking it. Like I didn't pick up Prodigy. I didn't pick up Sharky. Uh, I picked up Magic Order. That one was really good, but. This one has potential. I will probably give it issue two to see if stuff develops. It's just, as I've said in past streams, my biggest issue with Mark Millar stuff is that it's like four issues of intense development, two issues of finishing the story. And so I I just wish he would do more than six issue minis, but that's all he does. So I was going to ask, you know, he has been putting out a lot lately. Does this one feel like, oh, yeah, he totally had an idea for this and really thought it out and really wanted to make a comic about it because he had a really, like, Mm well-thought-out plan for it. Or, oh, snap, I could make more money. Let me throw this out so they can put it on Netflix. So here's the thing about Mark Millar's stuff. It (laughs) feels very, um, like, the stuff he's been doing lately feels more driven by the art than driven by the story. Magic Order had a very interesting story, but it still felt more driven by the aesthetics of what wizards could do if they weren't, like, contained by the normal constraints Hmm. than it did the actual story being laid out. And from what I know of Prodigy and Sharky, same thing. He gets these great artists. It was uh, Putri is doing, Yasmin Putri is doing Sharky. I do not remember who's doing... uh, 
Is it Albuquerque? Maybe. Um, look it up. Look up who's doing it. Prodigy. Um, but they he gets great. He's been teaming up with some really great artists lately, and he always does. Like whether it's Frank Quietly or Albuquerque. Yeah. Okay, I was right. So Raphael Albuquerque is doing um, Prodigy, which is over now, I think, and like it's great art. It and it fits the tone of what he's trying to like. Putri, Yasmin Putri doing a space-based, like, essentially Lobo-type character that gets, like, saddled with this kid and has to travel across the galaxy. Like, that's that's a cool-looking book, but I don't know if the story is necessarily there or if it's mainly just like, oh, hey, I got this artist. What would they be good at? This. And that's kind of what this one feels. It feels more tied to its, its aesthetic because it, it literally opens with um, the line it opens with, and this isn't exact, but it's essentially uh, the 80s didn't reach the Midwest until the 90s. Imagine how long it took for space. Huh. And then the first shot you see is this giant spaceship with Lionel Richie's face on it, and the spaceship's called the Lionel Richie. <laughs> you know? And there's all kinds of like 80s outfits and 80s music and 80s influence, you know? And it's cool. It's a cool concept, but I don't know if that's going to be the driving force or if it's actually going to be, like, a good story going forward. Yeah. I like the characters that he has so far. Um, again, Granted, it opens essentially with another, like, woman character smart and incapable man character take advantage of her. She want revenge kind of thing. Um <sighs> But whatever, maybe maybe it'll pull together. Looks like there's gonna be some sort of like fight club. It's essentially like these two, two like criminal female characters both end up in the same prison. One of them is super smart, good at planning things, and one of them is really good at escaping and fighting people. So they're gonna like hmm. match up and okay. do stuff. Uh, just to point out real quick, there's a bunch of covers to the number one, the Howard Chaykin one is disgusting don't buy that one <laughs> i'm sorry i know i know i shouldn't but that cover was hideous hey man you're just doing your service yeah don't don't pick up that one anyway um space bandits number one definitely worth checking out neat so t yeah if you could suggest one comic for people to read to feel patriotic, what would it be? Oh God. Um. Um. Like current comic or like comic run? Whatever, whatever. Oh jeez. I'm gonna say. In honor of the holiday. In honor of the holiday, yeah. I'm going to go with the. Captain Marvel run. Um, oh, snap. Do yours first. Okay. You took me on the spot. <laughs> I'm going to go with Power Rangers. What? Yeah. And what you do is either you or you can have a friend do it for you uh, so that you don't see the book ahead of when you read it. Go through the book with a Sharpie and just cross out the pink, the yellow the black and the green ranger and then all you have is red white and blue 
seriously? <laughs> uh, okay, again, I know we're on a podcast, so you can't see it, but I am shooting eye daggers into uh, this man because what? Like, <laughs> like what? Like, uh, so in reality, I'm going to pick Infidel. Oh, that's a good um, book. It's a horror book. We've talked about it on the podcast before. If you don't know about it, it essentially uh, focuses on racism, bigotry, hate speech in a horror type of lens. Uh, it's very good, very current, very relevant. And even though it does talk about the things that necessarily make this country not great, it's good to occasionally focus on those things and have a lesson in the meantime. Um, so Infidel, it's an image book. Uh, it's collected in trade paperback. It is very worth picking up if you want to feel kind of patriotic. I'm about to blow your mind. Blow it. Because I've changed my mind, <gasps> and this is not a book you're going to expect from me. Okay. Hit me. I am going to suggest Bombshells United by Marguerite Bennett. Okay. I'm suggesting... Mark your calendar. <laughs> On this day in history, I suggested Marguerite a Marguerite Bennett, Bennett run. Nice. And it's because it's a book almost all exclusively of women, and it pinpoints some of the ugliest moments in American history, but it does an amazing job of being like, no, screw you, America can be awesome. And this world, America's part of the world, and we are united, and we are awesome, and all of these ladies are doing their thing and getting it done, and there are just moments where you're just like, America! And it's great. Cool. So there. Badass. There. I picked, I can't yeah. believe I picked a Marguerite yeah. Bennett book. I feel a little stunned myself. I can't believe it's not Bendis. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. On that note, that's going to wrap us up. I hope everybody had a happy and safe 4th of July. Obviously, this is coming out on the 5th of July. So you're either hungover, burnt by uh, fireworks, or you feel a heavy patriotic passion. Whichever one applies to you, I hope it was a good holiday. I hope you have a long weekend and you didn't have to work on the 5th like the rest of us schmoes. Yeah, it's going to um, suck. Just a quick, <laughs> brief, can't say much about it announcement. T and I actually have a new podcast that we're going to be working on with some collaborators from Atlanta and Savannah. Um, it's going to be happening soonish. It's still maybe like a month or two out, but eventually we'll be plugging that. It's also going to be comic book and kind of nerd related. Um, and funny. But it's going to be more comedy based um, and more acting and improv based. So keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, thank you for stopping in and listening to us rant about stuff and be stupid. We're so glad um, you hung out with us. If the episode ran kind of long, I apologize for that. Not because the episode ran long, but because you're in hobo. <laughs> Tying it up with That's a it. bow. Had to get one more in. Aw, oh, damn. If you want more Cover B, you can check us out all over the internet, literally everywhere. Facebook. No matter what corner Twitter. you are in, you can find us. The dark net has us everywhere. He got overzealous. Uh, Facebook and Twitter at yep. Cover Me Podcast. Our website, coverbepodcast.com. Us on Twitter or on Instagram, I mean. We each Word. have Instagrams. Yep. It's cool. You should, so, you should come and hang out. Thank you for stopping in. And we will catch you next week for the next episode of, of Cover, Cover B. B. Have a good day. Bye, guys. <laughs>